Well, it it is such a privilege uh, to to preach here, um, and it's it's so. I was just telling Anna uh, backstage. I still, after fifty years, still get nervous uh, in bringing the word of God because it's such a sobering responsibility. But I love this church, and I love your pastor and his wife, or your pastors. Uh, I never can get the systems right, uh, but. But I've known them since they began in Orlando and have loved them all the way. And I'm such admiration. They are respected in this, in this city. Uh, this church is revered in this city. And so thank you for what you're doing. It really has a great reputation. <clears throat> and Becky and I count this as a, a church of ours. We're, we're honored to sow into this, to sow a tithe into this every time we're here uh, and, and to to develop more and more relationships here. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped at this morning's subject. They, they said, we want you to preach on intentional relationships because this is our small group launch. And I thought, well, this is great for two reasons. Number one, I'm an introvert. I don't do relationships very well. Um, and so somebody needs to, you know, uh, get it in my head uh, as to or, or, or provide me with a tool for doing this naturally. The second reason was this, because there's nothing more important for the outcome of our lives than the relationships we make. Let me say it again. Let me say it personally, just to every one of you. There is nothing, there's no more important determining factor as to how your life turns out than the people you choose to be close to. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. I can't say it too many times. There's no more de important determining factor as to how your life will turn out more than the people who you choose to be close to. Now, everybody knows we're close to a lot of people we didn't choose. But, but we, we have intentional relationships that mean the world, and, and we were designed like that. First of all, we were made for relationships because we were made in the image of God. And those of you who are here, and I see a lot of my Northern friends here, love you, um, miss you, uh, but, I'm, but, I'm, but, but you've heard me say this a number of times, that when the Bible says in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and then God said, let us... See, the word in Hebrew here is Elohim. Elohim is a plural word used in a singular sense. And so therefore, the great I am is an us. God himself is a relationship. All right? So when God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, male and female. He created them. And so... The first principle here is that we are made for relationships because we're made by a God who is a relationship. And we are to be in that, we are to be in that image. Let me tell you a, a recent study. I love to do, I love to study, and I love science because um, uh, it says in Romans 120, and I didn't, I forgot to give them this scripture, <clears throat> that um, his invisible attributes, his eternal nature has been seen, have been seen through that which has been made. In other words, God reveals himself in science. So, that, so the more you understand creation, the, the closer you'll be to God. 
um, and because that's how he works. Uh, and, and so you kind of trace back how he works to who he is. Well, it, 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 they just did a, a uh, not just did a, this is the longest running um, um, study of adult development in history. Comes out of Harvard University. For 75 years, Harvard has studied adult development and what makes for satisfaction and happiness. All right? They came down to one thing. One thing. Now, all of us kind of have our theories as to what will make us happy. Uh, um, one of the things, and by the way, this was the most extensive study on record. Um, it, it originated with 724 um, subjects uh, from all over the spectrum, all the way from Harvard uh, students that came from wealth and prestige to those who had nothing, um, who were in generations of broken families um, and, and, and came from um, those realms of society that you would think would be unhappiest. So this is a, a great spectrum upon which to draw evidence. And, and they, would, they would do studies as to what do you think will make you, make you happy. This was interesting. Um, more recently, they did a, a, a survey of millennials. And they said, what do you think would make you happy? 80% uh, of them said, if I was wealthy, I'd be happy. 80% of millennials. That shocked me because that's my generation. That's what we thought. But apparently, the illusion continues. 50% of them said, if I were famous, I would be happy. Again, a little shocking for millennials. I had you guys pegged all about relationships. But this is what they found out. They found that um, if... You had, this is the one factor, if you had satisfying and safe relationships, you were the happiest, most fulfilled person in all your life. Watch this. It not only affects people, affects us psychologically and emotionally, it affects us physically. Could I say this gently? Loneliness is a death knell. One in five Americans report that they are lonely. And that is regardless of their marital status. That's a little scary right there. You can be lonely and in a marriage. You can be lonely and in a group. You can be lonely and in a business. And so, and so what did they find? They said, they said, if you have, for example, I'm getting older, so I was, this was of interest to me, and I remember it. If you have satisfying and safe relationship, what's a safe relationship? It's, some, it's where you know that you'll be respected and you'll be loved no matter what. That's a safe relationship. If you have that at 50, at 80, you are way more likely, and I forget the percentage, but way more likely not only to live longer and be healthy in that long life, but way more likely, now watch this, because this struck me too, to remember why you walked in the room at the, in the first place. <laughs> it has mental benefits. 
you know? Your memory works better because you have been loved. You see? We're made for relationships, and so intentional relationships. You can't get that kind of love from just any relationships, and it's not assigned to you. It's not assigned by family. It's not assigned by... You've got to choose. You've got to choose. And so, therefore, it's important for us to understand two things. First of all, God came down as a person so that we could have a relationship with him and not a religion. That's, that, it says in, in, in John chapter 15, verse 15, look at this. I no longer call you servants. Now, now we think of ourselves as servants. We think of ourselves as slaves, doulos. You know, that's how we think of ourselves. That's not how God thinks of us. He thinks of us as friends. It says, because a servant does not know what his master's, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. This is amazing. We sing that song, I am a friend of God. That's one of the most powerful songs there is. I just did a talk. This was a, this was a, a, a great privilege to represent evangelical Christianity at this consortium of intellectuals um, 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 at uh, Chautauqua, New York. Um, and they were doing an interfaith series. And I, and I, I was chosen to, to represent evangelical Christianity. And they said, well, what do you believe? Tell us what you believe. And I, and I was trying to communicate to them. We are the only people on the face of the earth that believe that the almighty God himself humiliated himself so that we could come up to his level. So that we, we are the only people to believe that God would come as a humble person so that we could be friends and not just followers of morality, not just try to come up to better standards of behavior and therefore determine our eternity. No, our, determinant, our, our ter- eternity is determined by relationship with God. And, and so therefore, um, we also need to realize that, that we're made in a, he made the entire universe in a complementary, with an with a E, complement. Complementary fashion. That is a word that we use, we get the word complete out of it. It says... In, uh, what's my next scripture here? Um, oh, uh, Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Only place in, in the whole creation story where it says it's not good. You know, God kept making stuff and going, oh, that's good. I like what I just did there. Oh, that's, I like that. That's good. You know, but, but he said it's not good for the man to be alone. Why? Because it's not like him. It's not in his image. And we were made for other people. We were made for connections. I will make him a helper. And I've told you this before, I think. And this helper here in Hebrew is one who answers back. Or the definition of a wife is one who talks back. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, don't get all snitty about it, you know. But, but it's one. That's why when he made the animals, it says there was not found a helper suitable for him. The, answer, the, 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 the animals couldn't answer him back. See? And so we need people who will talk back to us. And I get, I'll get into a little bit more about that a little bit later on. Uh, but, then, but then, this is not just for marriage. This is not just personal. Um, some of you are called to marriage. Some of you aren't. Um, but we're all called to close relationships, especially in the church. Remember how he distributed the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Why? So that we would need each other. 
It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We can't say to each other, we don't need each other. We do need each other. We need each other if we are to grow in Christ. We need each other if we are to be complete. You know, the whole world is made like this. If you go to the subatomic construction in, 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 in quantum mechanics and you, you isolate a photon, you know, this little beam of light, much smaller than an atom, just a, just a whisper of, of an entity. And, 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 and you, watch this, go eight miles over here and tickle another photon, this photon will react. It's called entanglement. He has built the whole universe to be entangled. And so therefore, we've got to understand that we need to meet together. It says in Hebrews 10.25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, introverts like me, we just like to read and think, you know, and we actually think, you know, something got done. Nothing got done. No, we just came up with some ideas. You know, I've often said I, I could be I could spend my whole life in a library if, if Becky was one stack over. That's when we used to that's that's when we used to have books. Uh, but but the fact is I couldn't. Not and grow emotionally, not and be who God wanted me to be, not and understand how I was made. It's important for us to understand that it's not just, I mean, I, I love it when people can watch online, and I'm so glad you're online. Every once in a while, something will happen in our life that we have to worship online, and we'll do that, and we're glad for it. But nothing replaces physical presence. Nothing does. Nothing does. And that's why this small group launch is so important because you're not, you don't want to be just physically present. You want to be close. And, and you want to choose relationships that will be helpful. Helpful in two ways. Now watch this. Number one, we all need people in our lives that can kind of call us on stuff. You know, we, we tend to just kind of slide by and kind of rationale. Uh, we rationalize our behavior and just kind of, and we surround our ourselves with people who agree with us. That's, that's part of what's happening in our entire country today. I mean, we have these, all these echo chambers of people who think like we do so that we can be affirmed in exactly what we think. Could I just say this to you? You will never grow intellectually like that. You will never grow emotionally or spiritually like that. Just having what you say affirmed, you've got to have somebody in your life that will go, really? Seriously? You, are you thinking that? Seriously? I, was, I remember when I was in, um, in just early high school, when I was growing up, everybody, wanted, uh, everybody smoked. I mean, all the movie stars smoked, Clark Gable, you know, all, all the... All the attractive, even the women, you know, and they all smoked. And, and, and all of our parents smoked. You know, this is before the Surgeon General's report came out. And, and, and so my dad smoked um, camels, 
which had no filter, you know, just tobacco dripping out the end. And my mom was a lady, so she smoked Kent's. Um, and, 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 and I had this buddy, Danny Brown, and, uh, and so Danny said, hey, uh, and his dad, his dad smoked at Marlboro's. And, and so he said, hey, let's try smoking because, you know, it must be a deal because all the cool people smoke. And I said, okay. And he said, well, you get a few of your mom's cigarettes and I get a few of my dad's cigarettes and we'll meet at the tennis court when after dark and we'll smoke. And I said, all right. And so, and so here we come with our cigarettes, you know, and we start smoking. Well, we get, I'm, we're sick. But, but men can't say that to each other. Boys can't say, how you doing? I like this. Ah, I like it. We're smoking. I like it. You like it? You doing all right? Yeah, I like it. All right. And so we're just, but we're, we're sick. We're kind of getting, getting a little dizzy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, so after we got done smoking, we went over to, to Danny's um, um, house and just sat in his living room watching, watching TV, just kind of watching TV like this. Danny's mama came in the room. Now, Danny, you had to know Danny's mama. She, was, she couldn't have been five feet tall. Had a little bun on her head, little Italian lady. Always wore an apron, smelled like salad dressing. Always smelled like salad dressing. And, and, and she took one whiff. She, she looked at Danny and said, you've been smoking? What happened next is one of, my, one of the most memorable events of my life. I mean, I can't remember all the details, but it was one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard in my life. Danny stood up, indignant, and looked at his mother and said, you would accuse me of smoking? I thought, man, this guy's... He said, all of the youth in this world are going south. There's kids that steal cars... I don't steal cars. There are kids that, that, that take drugs. I don't take drugs. There are kids that, and he went on and on and on. And he kept going, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm starting to think, maybe I was the only one smoking. <laughs> I mean, it was that good. And then he went into the next realm. He said, you know what's wrong in this country? The breakdown of trust in the family. I could almost see a flag waving. America the beautiful being sung, hummed by the Mormon tabernacle choir in the background. You know? And I thought, man, I shouldn't have smoked. Because I don't think he smoked. And then he just walked out of the room after this great rhetoric in righteous indignation. It was one of the finest performances I've ever seen. It stirred me deeply. And his mama just looked at me and said, so where were you guys smoking? <laughs> Mamas, no. No. Didn't fool her for a second. See, you need somebody in your life, like your mama, who you can't fool. You need somebody in your life who loves you more than they love themselves. And because they love you that much, they'll tell you the truth. Now, 
Let me just say to you, let me give you a couple of releases here. You don't need to listen to crazy people. There are crazy people in your life that just are, you, you know who they are. You know, don't feel like you got to repent every time a crazy person comes down on you. You don't need mean people in your life. There are people who are just waiting for you to do something wrong so they can just hop on you. You don't have to choose mean people. But let me tell you, all of us need people who will love us enough to tell us the truth. Because if we don't have that, we will not leave, we will not um, 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 grow into that Christ that we love. We won't. There's a, there's a, there's a passage in Romans 4.4 4 that says, it's the kindness of Christ that leads to repentance. You need kind people in your life that will tell you the truth. People who love you. And so, and so let, me, let me go on from here. Um, in in um, Genesis 2.2, 2, this is what it says. So the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is the ancient, this is the ancient pageantry of the father bringing the bride to the husband. All right? And, and he brought her to the man. Why did he have to bring her? Because she was in a different place. She saw things from a different perspective. We need people in our life that are in a different place than we are, who see things from a different perspective. Do you know why? Because if you want to have the mind of Christ, you've got to be able to see from each other's perspective. He sees from all perspectives. He knows exactly what we think. And he can empathize with us in all that we're going through. We need that same thing because that's the only thing that's going to give us the intellectual growth and the spiritual growth and the understanding that we need. It doesn't have to be comfortable. It does have to be kind, but it doesn't have to be comfortable. Let me, let me, let me um, um, go to a, another verse here. It says in Proverbs 9, 8 and 9, do not rebuke mockers. You know, there are people in your life who are just mad. They're just flat out mad for some reason. They're always mad, and they're always looking for somebody to be mad at. It, don't try to correct those people. It doesn't work. You've already tried. It didn't work. And it, it's not likely to in the future because they're just trying to get, they're, they're looking for somebody else to be mad at. But watch this. This is who you choose. This is our chosen relationships. It says, rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. You know who we need? We need other people who are focused on Jesus. Say, you, are you walking with, are you going to, you walking toward Jesus? I want to walk there. Can we walk together? That's who we need. Those are who the wise are. That's who the righteous are. They're not the people who behave better than everybody else. They're the people who want to get closer to Jesus. That's who, that's who we choose. And, and so whether, whether you have somebody who is way out, you know, um, and not very close to Jesus now, uh, and one who is, if you're both kind of loving each other and trying to do the right thing, walk together. I still remember my grandparents. My, my grandfather was a, was a Christian but he, he left the church because he was hurt by the church because they argued over the way he was baptized. It wasn't good enough for them. 
And so he just said, you know what? I, I'm not into institutional religion. I'm not going to argue about this stuff. You know, I love, I love God, but I'm not going to argue about this stuff. My grandmother was a holiness Methodist. I, I mean, she was just the most proper. My, my grandfather always had a beer in his hand, a cigar hanging out of his mouth. He was a veterinarian, animal guy. My grandmother was this lace, stick a hanky up your sleeve, faint if you see hair on a man's legs. She was a proper lady. I have no idea how they, get, how they stayed married for 54 years. But I remember them. I remember them when I stayed with them. Before they went to bed, they'd go like this to each other. And they'd kiss each other, you know. And then they'd, and then they'd go to their separate bedrooms because he snored really bad. <laughs> but it was the sweetest thing. And they walked together because, because they wanted to be better together. They wanted to be better together. That's who you choose. That's who you choose. And so let me, let me, let me go to this next place here. Let me just say to you, we become what we behold. We're made like that. If you, if you choose to get close to somebody who is going the wrong direction, and, 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 and that's who you're going to hang out with, um, to the exclusion of hanging out with the people who are going the right direction, let me, let me say what it says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. It says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go that way. Um, do you know why? By the way, let me just show you this. There is a, there's, an, there's an effect. Uh, the, uh, there's a capacity or a tendency all of us have called social mirroring. Social, the social mirror theory is this. People are not capable of self-reflection without taking into consideration a peer's interpretation of the experience. In other words, people define and resolve their internal musings through another's viewpoint. The reason it's so important to hang out with people you respect and people you want to be more like on your way to Jesus is because you're going to read how you're doing through what they think, through their, their viewpoint. And if it's a viewpoint of, of, of decadence and, and sin, that's how you're going to read your life, that that's okay. And so we don't, we don't want to go there. We want to go to the place where we're looking at Jesus and people who are looking at Jesus. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled faiths, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, the glory, we want to hang around people who reflect Jesus. Being transformed into the same image, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. That's social mirroring. You hang around people who are looking at Jesus, you're going to be transformed by the Spirit into His image, not into theirs, into His image. That's choosing intentional relationships. There's a, there's a dynamic, provable dynamic, you can prove it, called the chameleon effect. Now, we know in living in Florida, we know what the chameleons are, don't we? We know what chameleons are. They, they blend into their, with their surroundings. You know we have that same thing? In our, think about this. Have you ever known somebody who, who never had an accent, 
who went to live in England for a month. And they come back and they get a little, they get a little English accent. Or they just got back from Texas and they got a twang. And you're thinking, you're from New Jersey for crying out loud. <laughs> what just happened? The chameleon effect. You, you want to prove this? When you're eating with somebody, next time you're eating with somebody and you're talking to them, do this. Watch what happens within minutes. They'll think, I got something on my mouth. They'll do that same thing. It's just how we're made. So therefore, it's important for us to become close to each other. It's important. It was important at the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. You know what this fellowship was? It's, stuff, it's, 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 it's what they did all of these things together. It, was just, it wasn't just general hangout time. It was the fellowship of Christ. And that's why small groups are so important. Or, or any form you take to hang out with other Christians who are thirsty for God's glory and righteousness and mercy and grace. That grace of God is like water to a dry and parched person. It's like safety to someone who is in danger. And you need to have that not just from people, but from God. And you will get it from people who hang out with God. And so that's why it's important. It's important. We're, we're commanded in the Bible. First, First Thessalonians, it says, encourage one another and build one another, one another up just as you are doing. You know what I love about this church? I love, my wife just commented this morning, said, I love the, the atmosphere of this church. You can walk in here and you can just feel acceptance. You can just feel encouragement. Now, I know it's because that's how your spiritual leadership lives. I've known them a long time. That's who your leadership is. And I know they set the tone for this place. But it's so important for us to build one another up. We don't need to be, be um, I'm going to manage your life. No, 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 no. If the spirit of management gets in your small group, call somebody out on it. We're not here to control one another, but we're here to encourage one another and stir one another up to love and good deeds all the more as we see the day approaching. So you got your marching orders. Choose to be with people who love Jesus and are on their way to them, or way to him, I'm sorry. And when you do that, you will be among the folks that become more and more like them, more and more transform, transfer, transform from one degree of glory to another. So my words are starting to fail. I better start praying. All right? All right. Let's just pray. Lord, you brought us here this morning, or you have us here assembled throughout um, uh, other places so that we could hear this admonishment from you, this encouragement from you. Choose relationships that at the end of your life, you will be so glad you had because they brought you near Jesus. 
Help us to do that. And help us to meet regularly together so that we can live life together. So that if one falls, the other can lift him up. So if one needs encouragement, the other can be a supporter. One needs comfort, the other can provide mercy. Help us to be that for one another, just as that is what you are for us through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So bring us together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.